Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. also known as Jim, and I'm hanging out with my two regular pals, always here with me, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, sometimes he goes by Zimmerman, and Hollywood Harry, also known as Heath Pierce. Guys, I'm ready to do a special episode, mailbag show. People have questions, and we have Mm -hmm. some answers, but uh, I do want to let everybody know that we have 100 days until the U-20 World Cup starts in Indonesia. So that's very exciting as we start to count down to how our younger players are going to play. And I was one. wondering when the hundred day countdown was going to it start. Was. Jimmy, it starts right that. now. I, 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 no, I, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And then we had a two, two game. Leeds was up two zero on Manchester United in Chris Armis's first game in charge after Jesse Marsh, who hired him two weeks before got fired and they blew that lead and they finished two to two, but still a positive result. So, so Chuck, I'll come to you first. Weston McKinney makes his first ever start in the premier league for Leeds. Him and Tyler Adams going out there, talking their shit, which we love. Love the attitude, love the confidence, love that they are not scared of anybody, but didn't end up getting the result. What do you think about that overall? I mean, it's a a, a positive result against you, a strong United side who's really in form right now. So you you look at Marcus Rashford and his ability and, and what he's been able to do as of late. They've they neutralized them for the most part. I mean, they 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 made it difficult for United to play. I think that's, I guess it's a wait and see if this is that normal coach bump, you know, after the game, after you let go of a coach, the team plays really well. They feel like a little bit more free. They want to prove themselves. So it's, that now it's they a play. new manager. It's a new manager bounce, mate. We'll see. Mate, but it only because, lasted for 70 minutes. They still, they still have to play United done? again. Right. So, yes, I mean, I guess, you know, for, for Weston McKinney in this first appearance, you wouldn't make much of it. I don't think, I don't think he played particularly poorly, but he definitely did not stand out and 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 be one of those players who was a difference maker. But you're playing against United, you're trying to figure it out. You you got a new teammates. Not it wasn't it wasn't horrible for his first appearance in the Premier League with a new team that's that's struggling at the moment. So I think you're trying to figure out what that partnership looks like with Tyler Adams because now he's sitting deeper. Um, as opposed to being in that free role, which we've seen with, with Greg Berhalter. Okay. Brendan Aronson also made an appearance, Heath Pierce, mm-hmm. where he came off the bench. We had all three Americans out there trying to make a difference. I believe, though, after he came on, they scored two goals. So that can't feel great for him. And it felt like he was defending quite a bit, especially in and around the box. Ultimately, it just felt like Leeds just dropped off way too much as the pressure got ramped up. And they didn't really have that release valve, which is probably why they brought Aronson on to maybe dribble out of some tough situations to relieve that pressure. Didn't happen. They give up the lead, but still, as we mentioned, a valuable point. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is uh, I. I think we're we're caught up in a ninety like judging leads over ninety minutes, and I think leads by and large have been pretty good for sixty minutes for a lot of their games this year. Seventy minutes. It's it's their willingness to adapt or settle in or make changes um, when they're up, when they're down, and all those types of things. That's cost them late in games, and so this is another example of that. Where, you know, you talk about the new manager bounce, which you know, we we joke about, but it's generally always a thing because it's a chance for new players. It's it's a fresh look. It's a little bit less pressure on your shoulders, uh, perhaps for 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 a match or two. But um, 
good result. I don't want to, I don't want to overlook that, but again, it's another game that you had three points in your hands and, and you can't find a way to tactically see it out. You know, is it too much sitting back? Maybe. Is it, is it too little balance? Maybe, but either way, uh, that's been a, a major issue for the team throughout the season. And it just didn't look any better in that match. You know, what was interesting is that Leeds scored in the first minute and then they got an own goal. It was kind of the lucky things that Jesse Marsh seemed to be lacking when he was in charge. So I guess it was only fair to Jesse in some capacity that they did end up blowing the lead and that he wasn't involved, everybody. You can't blame Jesse Marsh <laughs> this time around. So it'll be interesting to see how they play against Manchester United again because they play them next, this time at Ellen Road. And maybe that will be the difference because Leeds fans are pretty awesome in terms of their support. Got to yeah. see a game there a little bit earlier. All right, let's get into our mailbag. We have a lot of questions. And we're going to start with this one. This one seemed to be a big theme. Pellegrino Matarazzo, 45-year-old American, born in New Jersey to Italian immigrant parents. Uh, he has a degree in mathematics from the Ivy League University known as Columbia. Mm -hmm. uh, he had two brothers that also played college soccer. And he was a two-time All-Ivy League player. He went to Germany in 2000 and played in the lower leagues for nine years. Now, during that time, he finished his career with Nuremberg's second team and ended up retiring. But during that time with Nuremberg, he ended up uh, getting his coaching badges. And uh, that's where he ended up meeting Julian Nagelsmann, who's now the Bayern Munich coach. Now, Nagelsmann was in charge of Hoffenheim, and uh, Matarazzo eventually moved there to be the head coach of the U-17s of the Youth Academy. And uh, they got along. They had worked together in the coaching school, or they got their licenses together. And in 2018, in January, Nagelsmann promoted him to assistant coach of Hoffenheim's full team. And from there, they did so well. Hoffenheim finished in third. At some point, Nagelsmann obviously made the move to, to RB Leipzig and then to Bayern Munich. And Matarazzo was so well-received in terms of his ideas and ideologies, he ended up going to Stuttgart to be the head coach. He just got fired. He was there in charge for 100, 100 matches at the beginning of this last season, 22-23. He got... Didn't win games for like nine games. Ended up getting sacked or resigned or both somewhere in the middle. And now he's getting hired again, this time by Hoffenheim as the head coach. And so there was a lot of clamoring around. Why do we talk about him? Why do we not talk about him a lot? You know, I get Marsh has discussed more. This is from Wendell as he's a former MLS player coach. But that doesn't explain him getting a thousand times more coverage than Matarazzo, who is most likely the most successful U.S.-born coach, and I barely even heard our podcast mention him. We've talked about him before. We tried to get him on the show, right. which uh, didn't happen. But but what do we think about Matarazzo? Now, he just got hired by Hoffenheim, so the U.S. job is out. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said uh, MLS, I'd say, teams should be going after. Th there's a difference between the national team manager being the guy who's supposed to collect the best players that we have across the globe and win a World Cup versus a manager that has had has played in uh, high high you know has finished in high positions had played in in Europe managed in Europe coaching a major league soccer team and and trying to win MLS Cup and win Concacaf Champions League there are two big differences so I think for me uh, uh, a Pellegrino Matarazzo is someone that if you're an MLS and you're a bigger club and you're you're motivated you have ambition you go after a manager like him. A Jose Mourinho, a Mauricio Pochettino, a Thomas Tuchel, a, a, a manager of that caliber is a U.S. men's national team manager. You want someone who's won, who's who's won championships at the highest level, the elite of elite, to get this young group to understand what is needed to win and being tactically flexible and understanding how to get the most out of players and having that experience so that a young player can't talk to that manager, can't disrespect anyone within that camp. You need to have someone who can hold everyone accountable and that everyone's like, oh, oh, you're right. I won't play or he won't call me in. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the backup And, and you don't think Matarazzo carries no. that weight? Doesn't uh, no, that. I don't. I, I'll jump in and say would that you, would Jesse you? Marsh, well, Jesse Marsh gets a thousand times more, I would say, coverage. One, Recently, it feels that way because he's in the Premier League, and the Premier mm -hmm. League gets a thousand times more coverage than than all the other leagues. And then you have the fact that Jesse, with RB Salzburg, whatever you want to think about the Austrian league, he did get into the Champions League. He did have some good results there. And then he went to RB Leipzig, another another team. He actually got some decent results in the Champions League or was competitive in the Champions League, 
with them against PSGs and the Manchester Cities, uh, but and got Christopher Nkunku to start scoring a buttload of goals. But it never really translated into consistent results, and he got let go as well. And I, I just think there's a little bit more of that going on. I, I feel like it's less the MLS narrative, even though that's a fun one to tie in, and more just about what he's accomplished in Europe as opposed to Matarazzo, who's been with Stuttgart. And he helped them get promoted. He did an excellent job of that, and he made them competitive when he was in charge before that little bit of a dip in form, which he decided to step away. But mm-hmm. but they weren't like lighting it up and, and getting into Europe and qualifying for Europe in that way. So I think it comes from a little bit of that. He does have a history though of developing young players and trusting and playing young players. So I like that facet of him a lot, but Heath, there's another question here from Jackson. What's up Jackson? Who says, why does Pellegrino Matarazzo not get a lot of recognition stateside? Because I agree with that. He deserves to get more recognition. Uh, 100% than, than, Jimmy. Than he does. Yeah. Heath, I'm sure you would say the same thing. Like the, a player, a, a manager like him deserves to be talked about. You're in Europe. You're managing in a, in a top, uh, Top league, great. Yeah. But don't associate that or make that mistake of saying, well, now they should be in the U.S. men's national team pool. At this point, we want something that's going to take us to the next next level. Not more of the same. Yeah. We need something different that's elite, that's proven, and, and that's where I would want to go. Yeah, I mean, when, when I think about it, I, I, I think about it in the same vein of like when when Steve Chirundolo took over as as a caretaker right for for uh Hanover at a certain mm-hmm. point and I think he was at Nuremberg as well after he was at at Hanover there was not a lot of talk of him because it it didn't seem like it was um it wasn't it wasn't big and 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 flashy in the way that Jesse Marsh comes in from the the, the national team then he's then he's he does uh some good things at Red Bull and then from there makes a big jump right to Europe and in a way that feels like out of body experience. Whereas Matsurazzo, again, he's been in Europe for a long time. That's where he's done his coaching. So I think he doesn't get the attention that he deserves or the respect that he deserves for what he's done. Right. And, and I think Charlie's, I, I think in the same vein as Charlie, where there's this, there's this gap, especially right now where we're at with the national team of who we should be going for. I don't think Matsurazzo is the wrong guy. I just don't think he's high, uh, high on my list of, of, of who could be available, who should be available and and go after somebody like that. I think Matarazzo could be a good example. Plus, uh, he's six foot six, which is pretty rad. It'd be nice to have somebody super tall. <laughs> just he's a physical the, just like, presence. He just be so just like One of those people that like occupies a lot of the technical area on a sideline. You know, just that dominating presence when you see him go with that handshake and he's coming down. You know, a little <laughs> bit of that belittlement to another manager. But yeah, I think I think no one argues, or at least in this group, none of us are arguing that he deserves a lot more credit, a lot more attention. Uh, than he's getting. And it's another guy that you're probably like, does he want the U.S. national team job right now? Um, because yeah, I, I experienced it, and I know, Charlie, you experienced it uh, as well in your career. If he were to come over and, say, take an MLS job or take the national team job, it's probably a, a while before he's able to go back and continue on the trajectory that he's on, which is probably the same fear as, as Jesse Marsh is on. Me, I experienced it as a player, where as soon as I came back, I felt like, every six months, my time or my relevance or my visibility was getting further and further from the goals that I wanted at, at, at a club level as a player in Europe. No, I, I, as long as, uh, as long as Matarazzo doesn't have the dead fish handshake that Sunil Galati used to have, <laughs> I think, I think we're all set with regard to that. Charlie knows he doesn't want to laugh because he's really good friends with Sunil apparently. Uh, <laughs> well, you kind of have to, when you both have that big of houses and you that's share a true, fence that's line true. and like, that's you true. know, like <laughs> you share uh, a fence line, you know, <laughs> I didn't know Charlie had a fence. I just thought he owned pretty much all the, well, they're not like, it's, that's there. the thing is it's like one of those like old, like picket, uh, what, uh, wood picket fences that goes, you know, across, across the board, like down <laughs> miles and miles and down to the edge of the water where they both share like a beach line, so to speak, you know, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that clarification. All right. So I, in anticipation, let me say it like this of Ted Lasso in the season three, starting soon. We're going to have somebody from that cast come on the show and talk with us when it's when it's time for them to do their promotional tour, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But I know that Coach Beard, also known as Brendan Hunt, is a huge fan of our podcast, and I know that coordinating producer Chip Hamilton is also a big uh, uh, listener of the podcast, and so I sent them a text like, hey, do you guys, we're doing a mailbag, do you have any questions? So Brendan didn't respond. So we gave him a hard time. I was like, what are you on the toilet doing your wordle and you don't have time to answer, you know, this type of stuff. And he basically wrote back, I'm driving you dick, you know? So shout out to coach Beard for calling me a dick. That really made my day. But Chip did respond. And this is the first question. He says, with all the buzz and people talking about Wrexham and going to great lengths to support them, 
How do you guys feel about this kind of support going to them when you could argue the same enthusiasm isn't shown for the respective local MLS club for many of the same reasons? And he put black soccer fan from Boston who one day hopes to meet Charlie on one of his many large yachts. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Chip, by the way. Chip's the All man. right, Chip. Uh, I will say this. It's a little bit different because this is one of those shows that all soccer fans, similar to Ted Lasso, can get behind. So it's more sports fans, soccer fans, all coming together to support this initiative um, in, in Wrexham just because they feel like, oh, there's an American owner tied to this this soccer project in, in the heart of football land, England, trying to make it. You love that story. It's like resilience, proving that Americans can do it. You love it. But with MLS, it's so localized. So it's hard to, to feel that across the country when it's so localized. I think this Apple deal with MLS is trying to broaden that and not make it so localized so that people, when they can tune into a game, don't necessarily have to be fans of San Jose Earthquakes or Vancouver Whitecaps or Colorado Rapids, and they can live in New England and they still want to be a part of it. So they watch it anyways. That's what we're trying to build here. And I think shows like Wrexham, shows like Ted Lasso help unify the sport and unify the supporters. So I, I'm all for it. I, I, I don't yes. see why someone would be against it. That's what mm. – if it's soccer and we're talking about it, why would you be against it? Why would you yeah. be hating? That's the phrase though, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. And so you got it. I think it falls into that category for me. And – Heath, I don't know if you want to jump in here either, but I'm sure you do. But uh, yeah, I just think it's a it's a it's a positive. And, and if more people are caring about the sport in this way, oh, the one thing I did want to add is, is with regard to the Open Cup. What what I think really stands out for people that are like drawn into this Wrexham story is part of it is this cup competition, the FA Cup. They don't maybe they like wait. There's a cup competition outside of their league, and, and there has to be some base understanding of what's happening. Why did they replay again against uh, Sheffield United? Like they just, you know, they drew with them last week and now they got to play them again in the same. That's really weird. But people still, oh, cool. You explain it to me. I understand it. Why don't we have that in the U.S.? We do have it in the U.S. It's called the Open Cup. And I don't think we do a very good job of promoting that particular tournament, which I think is very special and has been around for a very long time and deserves so much more love and attention than it gets. But I'm also curious about the League's Cup too, now that we're going to tie in the Mexican league and competing with MLS teams in the Mexican league. So, so I think trying to highlight these cup competitions is going to be a nice way forward. Cause it feels like at least in the cup competition and Heath, I'll let you speak after this is everybody. It feels like has a chance. You could play USL. You could play USL league two. You could play NISA. You can play NASL, whatever acronyms are out there. You have a chance to qualify for the open cup. So this is the one competition here in this country where everybody feels like they're a part of it. And that's, and, and that's, we can't say that about anything else. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I agree with you. I think the open cup in itself is, is unique because generally, or even cup competitions generally, like when I was any league that I played in, when you played in the cup, you generally played away in the early rounds to a smaller club, which was a big deal for that town or that village or whatever it was. And then you slowly, you know, they have the, their own under underdog story, which doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the competition, right? It wasn't going to be necessarily a, a Sacramento Orlando type of final in it, but it does create a lot of community uh, benefit drives revenue to those communities. And, and also uh, what I like just about the different soccer narratives is it brings in a different type of soccer fan, right? That you, not everything has to be compared to the best, product that exists on the planet right we are completely inundated with 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 information all the time uh we have access to as much uh soccer as, as we could possibly imagine on more networks than you could possibly imagine however uh that doesn't mean that local or community-based uh football whether amateur semi-pro or professional should be overlooked or compared uh, as a product right you it, i don't know if you guys both remember when dennis crowley first launched the kingston stockade um, way, way back when, and he's been doing these like sort of reports every year of like how many season tickets, like how much uh, volunteer work and kind of putting out these transparent reports that are more about the community than they are about the quality. Right. And I think there's a certain aspect. Yes. There's a Hollywoodization of this Wrexham and people feel it's on, on, on pure or all these things, that, um, which you could look through a lens and, and find some things that are, that maybe aren't as, as, 
as they say they are because it is storytelling. But I still think that for the good of the game or for the growth of the game, it's important. I think you 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 muted we, we, Jimmy. Jimmy we got you uh, muted there. Yeah, uh, I think okay. uh, maybe no, no, maybe maybe uh, maybe Alex. First, uh, yeah. No, no. Hit, well, hit maybe your maybe. first take. You, you muted. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, maybe I was muted. <laughs> I want to say, as an aside, uh, Ryan Reynolds started following me on Twitter, and I, and I haven't reached out to him yet. I don't really know. I mean, obviously, welcome to the party. Clearly, has fallen in love with the beautiful game as he have sh- should have a long time ago. But but I feel like we got to get him on the show. What do you think? I think that's like a new uh, goal. Now. Yeah, facts. We got to get Fuller and Balligan to get on the U.S. Men's National Team. We got to get Ryan Reynolds on the show. I will. Hey, I, I, I'll tell you this. My neighbor here uh, grew up uh, with uh, Rob. Uh, I'm not sure how you. Uh, Michael Henney? Michael Henney. Grew up with him, right? And when they went out to England for a cup competition last year, right? They were some at some point along the way, they had a big game last year and um, and and all of that. And And he got invited. And he's a Philly sports Eagles, you know, 76ers doesn't care. He's, we've got kids the same age. They go to elementary school. He coaches my, my daughter's basketball team. And he got invited by Rob to go out to, 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 to London for a game. And since then has become a massive fan. And I understand it's a unique circumstance of knowing the ownership group and, sure, and being sure. friends with this guy yeah, that he grew up I'd with. I'd be a fan but too he, if I was going to but, but, but what I'm saying is like, <laughs> he, you know, like he, he went and enjoyed it and, and, and he is a fan again. A very isolated incident, but at least for me, there was like there's something there in the fact that he is now going to enjoy the game differently with his children and that sort of stuff. So I think that I think that's a win. Jimmy, yeah, can we go back though? Because yeah, I'm I'm tr- I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Chip is from Boston. He is. He's, he's a black guy. Yes. And I haven't been told anything about Ted Lasso. Hey, come check out. We're we're doing this. You know, we're gonna, hey, come come on the set. Chip, are you for real? Come on, man. <laughs> they finished filming, dude. It's done. Like they I just know, have to. It's all damn, Chip. Now. All right, next project, Chip. I know. Next project. I'm. I'm right. ready. You I'll connect. Listen, listen. We'll just pretend that nobody else is listening, but I'll connect you with Chip, Charlie, <laughs> so that you guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll all be on. Chip's the best. He is the absolute man. All right. Next question. This one's from John John on the Twitters, who says, "Who was the best U.S. player that you played with?" <laughs> oh boy. Besides Jonathan Bornstein. <laughs> oh God. All right, just go go with left backs. Left, what, other, left. what other left backs? I listen. I'll say Eddie Pope. I love playing with Eddie Pope. I always was a big fan of Steve Cherundolo. But these are guys that are like in my area. I got to see the little things that they did to make the game easier, either for me or for themselves, for the whole team. So I really appreciated Eddie Pope and Steve Cherundolo. In so particular. that's your goat as far as center backs that you've played with. Eddie Pope for sure. That's yeah. Your goat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's it's because I looked up to him though when I was younger. I want to so, know what so. Heath's outside back goat is. Yeah. <laughs> You can't, no, no. You're not allowed to say Bornstein, apparently. Yeah. No, you can't say Bornstein. But Bornstein's what would you out. say as far as goats for outside back? Um, that I well, believe. Oh, left was, back or like Trundle has got to be in the mix. It for could be back. left or right back, but I'm saying, is there an American outside back that you looked up to? Because once you realize, okay, I'm going to be playing left back, that all right, this is the guy I want to watch, and then you got got into a camp and you go, oh shit, oh. He's <laughs> he's legit. <laughs> like I mean, honestly, when I when I think when I think it wasn't necessarily guys that I I played with, but it's obviously the ones that you admire. It's 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 a Jeff Agus. It's a it's a um, Steve Chirundolo type of thing. And again, I've I've used a I've used a hundred Chirundolo examples. Big on, cat, on dude. Different... Tony Sana doesn't get talked about enough. He yeah. was very good. But go ahead. He was but very you can, good. But yeah. do you really consider him outside back though? Was he more of a winger? I, I outside midfielder. How... Hey, I see him as an outside midfielder, but I know he, he's legit. He was a legit right back in that O2 World Cup. Yeah, yeah, sick. yeah. But yeah, it was for, for me. I'd say the easiest was Trundolo because the you know I started. I went to University of Portland. He went to University of Portland. The day I got there, Clive Charles told me about this guy that he wanted to give me the same trajectory as him. I'm going to train you, develop you. You're going to go to class. You're going to pass your classes, and when you're ready, I'm going to send you on your way. And then I got the chance to do that. Um, started my career in, in Denmark instead of Germany. But then I was like, okay, when I get to, I want to get to the Bundesliga. That seems like a great place for me to develop. And so my my references were always in relation to what he was doing, right? And then the practical advice that he gave me and the way that I would just see him so consistent all the time. Like I can't, maybe you guys remember, I don't remember a bad game from Trondolo. Didn't mean he always played his best game. Um, but when, even when I played against him in the Bundesliga, he did two things to me that I remember that were mind-blowing. Like, one time I was on a near post run. The ball was coming to me. He shoved me straight in the back all the way out of bounds. And it should have been a penalty. But it was like, it was a learning lesson for me of like, 
oh, that ball would have been mine. It would have been my goal. It was a tap in basically. And he full blown knew exactly how to get his elbow into me when somebody couldn't see me mm. and, and that type of stuff. There's those little types of details that I can, obviously I admire because I can still reference them in my head when they would otherwise probably just been moments in, in games. How about you, Chuck? Who's the best U.S. player you ever played with? Well, I'll, I'll stick with just strikers because I think for me, when I was growing up, there was one striker that really stood out to me. And and once I got to play play with him and see him in training, I thought, oh, this guy, this guy could be me and him playing together could be something special. And that's Eddie Johnson. I know it was it was super brief. Um, I just saw Eddie post that uh, Dallas Dallas Burn videos on his Instagram today. I was like, man. But I, I just thought, man, if Eddie Johnson and I got a chance to play together, because he just had. I remember seeing him score that hat trick coming off the bench in one one of these World Cup qualifying games. Yeah. Uh, it might have been like two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five. Two two thousand four. Four. At the end of two thousand four. Yeah. And uh, and he did like I think he did his backflip celebration maybe, and I just said. I got to play with this guy and here we are, you know, Copa America. And I'm thinking if we, if we could have just grown together mm. with the pace and the, and the speed and that being able to like create with each other, stretch opponents, um, that could have been, been something special. But I remember just being like that, that's legit. Hey, but in Jimmy, terms of what? Jimmy, you know what I'm hearing about Charlie right now? What? what? Charlie, the best number nine of all no, time. <laughs> no, that Charlie, Charlie obviously would would have would have not been playing in these single striker systems because he keeps on referencing another striker he, he wants to play with. You know, since when do we since when do we play single gone, striker? Bro. We are always four that world's, two. Hey, hey, welcome to the modern game, man. Sit down on the bench. <laughs> they won. We might, we might need you for that final thirty. You know. Oh gosh, it's the reason why it's changed is because there's not many nines because out there's no more use, dude. There's no more chucks. No, there's no more nines. You know what I'm saying? That is true. That is different. Different game now all right so here is a comment from and i guess you have to take his username into consideration here when i read this question it's mls hater he says is there ever <laughs> going to be a day when there are no mls players on the national team it's getting hard to justify leaving off guys like taylor booth and mihailovich for people like Roldan and morris i find this question yeah very, very leading obviously in some ways but but i i i leaving out what, what his intention in some capacity. Is that what's best for the game here? To just say, if you play in MLS, you're not good enough for the national. No. Is, that the, is that the message you want to send? No. I, we know the answer, but I'm just, I'm just trying to like lay that out for everybody. I don't mm -hmm. think that's the right thing. Plus, MLS is getting better. Plus, as the youth academies continue to evolve and develop, and as that pipeline gets stronger and the coaching gets better and, and the refereeing and the scouting and all that gets better, there's always going to be room I think for MLS players to to have earned their spot on yeah. the national team, not just handed to them. But by the way, the 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 U.S. soccer scouts are we're in Holland, either now or last weekend, to look at all of our Americans uh, playing in the Dutch league right now. And I don't think it's it, you. You're right, Jimmy. It is a leading question because Taylor Booth wasn't Taylor Booth until he was Taylor Booth, and he's been Taylor Booth for like the last eight weeks. You know. And you can see the quality that he has. You can see the potential that he had before, but he's establishing himself as a first team player right now. And he's absolutely going to be called up. And that doesn't mean because that's, that it should be a free ride in the same way that an MLS player, if they're in peak form and competing and, and, and fit into the, to the puzzle should be called in as well. Chuck. Yeah. I, I would say for a lot of the young players who are coming through MLS or Europe MLS is just getting better. It's only getting better. You look at the 2002 World Cup, our best finish in a World Cup, there are more than half of the squad is in, is playing in MLS. And that's MLS 1.0. Mm -hmm. It's only getting better. So stop you taking can have... shots. Stop taking shots in my era, dude. Come on. Jimmy, you weren't even 1.0, dude. You weren't even 1.0. <laughs> I was. You were like, playing in the you NASL. Were... Oh, Jim, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy was M MLS beta, you know? They were like, you know, they were still oh, what, not quite ready to roll the product out. You he know? wasn't, we play, got a lot he wasn't playing outdoor yet. He, he was only playing indoor. Uh, Shout out to the LA uh, Lasers. Let's yeah. go. No, I think for me, it's it's the best players go, no matter where you're playing. If, if yes, you know, ideally you think where's the best competition that's in Europe because you can play in Champions League and play in English Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, Liga. Great. But you can play in MLS and still be the, a top player. Like th that, those days are gone. 
if, if you're a baller, you're a baller. And who knows what your circumstances are? Is it family? Is it, it you know, it could be anything. Is it, is it health? You just have to, you're, you just have to look at who the manager is and look at the performances. If Christian Pulisic was playing in, in MLS, would you not select them? You know, it, these things can happen. You never know. So never judge a player based on, on the league. You got to j- judge it based on the performances. And then when they do get called up, how do they do? How do they respond? How, what do they look like in that environment? So for me, the whole MLS is garbage if you play in it. That take can, can is, is in the trash now. It's in the trash, Charlie Davies. Okay, so here's one from Jeff. Shout out to Jeff Reed for this question. With the USSF, so the United States Soccer Federation, and the next sporting director or GM, want to hire Tab Ramos or Hugo Perez? I feel like both have extensive knowledge on the landscape in our country and knowing a lot of the player pool, they'd be perfect for the next cycle. Keith, I'll come to you on this. I do want to say that Tab Ramos had a hell of a career as U.S. Men's Youth Technical Director and U-20 Men's National Team Coach. He got us to three consecutive FIFA U-20 World Cup quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. He led uh, in 2017-2018, he led the U.S. to consecutive CONCACAF U-20 championship titles, which is his first two confederation crowns. Uh, He's done a lot. And he also went on to be one of the most accomplished figures in U.S. soccer. He made history at the 2019 U-20 World Cup by becoming the first male to participate in 11 FIFA World Championship tournaments as a player or coach. Mm-hmm. So obviously, his uh, his experience is, is second to none. But it seemed like when he had the opportunity to get a head coaching job in MLS with the Houston Dynamo, he jumped at it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder about U.S. soccer and just the turnover we're having in general. But let's just start with Tab and Ugo first, Heath. Yeah, Tab is... is, is uh, uh... It's really hard because on one hand, we go, oh, well, what have they done at the club level, right? We we, we want to see them consistently and like almost like they're a player to, to have enough experience to coach our national team. But at the same time, you're like, uh, we use the other side of the coin to say, yeah, but he's in a club environment and the national team is very different and the way you handle players and manage schedules. And he has that at the youth level, right? He's had that successful. He knows the cadences. He knows the the ebb and flow of you have all these players high intensive environment you need to get as much as you can done you're prepping for something long term but you've got short term goals as well like that type of stuff is really important and he brings that to the table I actually saw him and I regret not going up to him um, I don't I, I don't think he I don't know if he knows me or not but uh, I saw him in um, in uh, in Qatar in Doha and I was just afraid to go up to him because I wanted to ask him some questions about about U.S. soccer and all these things and his perspective and whatever. <laughs> And I just chickened out. Is in the hotel of a, a lobby of a hotel, and um, who's this? And, uh, who's this fan coming over to talk? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I didn't want to have to like in the same way that I ran into the U.S. soccer guys at a coffee shop where I had to be like, "You guys work for U.S. soccer?" And then like three questions on, I was like, "Yeah, I used to, I used to play in the national team a little bit." And they were like, and then it all comes together, and you're like, "This is really uncomfortable and embarrassing." Like, and if it's in a hotel lobby, you're either coming or going. You have something to do, so I just passed on it. So I don't have any insights for you guys. Sorry. No, I, I think for for a guy like Tab Ramos, he is not. He's proven with with kids, with youth. He's not proven proven with adults, and we've seen that with managers in the past when they're very good at the youth level, but they struggle when it comes to managing big profiles, uh, big names, adults. It, it's a little. It's different. You can't manage the same way, and if you don't adjust. You struggle. And I think with Tab, Tab, he's a fantastic manager when it comes to youth and identifying talent, no doubt. But we all know when it comes to the national team, it's a lot of man management because everyone typically is a baller at their club. That's why you're getting called up. You're, you're, you're one of the best. You're the best, one of the best in the country in your position, no matter where you're playing in the world. You have to be able to manage and reach each player differently. And, and have that understanding. And I think for, for me, if I see someone who's excelling as a youth coach, great, you can bring them up. But you don't go from excelling in youth national team to all of a sudden you're the U.S. men's national team coach. For me, there's steps. And he, he, didn't, he didn't have success at Houston. That's a fact. But that's not to say he's not, he can't be a good manager coaching the, the well, big boys. It, it just- that, Jimmy, let me let me ask you or ask you both this, you know, because I, I mentioned before that I had I had a dinner and drinks with Rodolfo Burrell, who's been 
wanting and linked with a number of jobs in in U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer. And for those that don't know, he's the first assistant to Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. And he kind of he's a great storyteller and tells all of his stories and all these you know tactical things. Really, really smart guy. But the thing that he had talked about that they had changed when he went to I think he was at 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 Liverpool um, before he was at, at City was changing the structure of contracts for the youth coaches so that if you had uh, Tab Ramos, right? And you're like, this guy, 18 to 20, there's no one better in the US, right? For for these kids. Yeah. That this was your guy. And you compensated him in the way that you would compensate. Because right now, the way our coaching structure works in the US, especially, is like U12 wants to be a U13, U13 wants to be a 14, he wants to be a 14 and an 18 yeah, right, because he can right. get he can make more money, right? You get rewarded as you go up, as opposed to saying, well, we're going to pay this guy the same as we pay the first team, uh, uh, some of the first team people, because He's a crucial part of our development, and he's right. so good at it that we don't want him to go after more money or go after a bigger job or a better job because of that's huge. That's more important than what he's going to do in the first team right. in terms that's of development. Right? That's and a specialty. Right. Stick with it. Player periodization, the the growing pains of players within certain windows, and and I'm sure Jimmy's going through this coaching, but like that idea of like, oh no no, just be the best of that guy as opposed to you know us judging him based up. on being good mm-hmm. on whether or not he can coach the first team or the, or the 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 head national team and something like that. So so what what is he looking for a job in the US? What's he doing right now? Overdolfo Burrell? Yeah. No, I think I think I think he's he's always been enamored by by the US the US market. He's he's good friends with with Richie Graham from the from the union and so he was he was in California on on a trip in the offseason. He was meeting with everybody at all the clubs and you know doing his networking thing and so I know there's always been an interest for him to come to the to come to the US. Um, but he just, he, he knew a lot about our world and some of the problems that, that you have to fix if you want to have better coaching, if you want to develop better players yeah, and so that you yeah. don't get all of your best guys end up or girls end up at U 18s to the full team that even the 12 year old should be paid the same as the U 14s or the 15s yeah, so that you have, you know, uh, age yeah. specific. And obviously that requires huge budgets and sponsors and all that kind of stuff. But it was a really unique perspective that I didn't think about, which is like all of our requests, even as a player is like, you know, go as high as you can and as far as you can. And that's based on, you know, moving, moving upwards as opposed to, you know, so you like that, you like the consistency idea and, and being, well, if you it, found what you're great at, you right. Know, I, yeah. Like no, no need to move up the totem pole. Like if that's I mean, maybe, like, like eventually you're going to get that temptation and, and to go and, and maybe it is the next move for you. But mm-hmm. if you are best at that, you might not, it might not be your favorite thing, but it could still be the best thing for the Federation or for, for player mm-hmm. development. And, and then you should be, um, uh, incentivized to want to continue to do that as opposed to saying, yeah, I understand right, that, but like right. I make triple by taking a job with the dynamo, right. um, type of thing. No, you know? no, no, no. I, there's a lot to unpack there and we're going to unpack yeah. it right after our first and only break of in soccer. We trust. So do not go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. If you just saw that ad on the YouTubes, you know that Champions League is returning to Paramount Plus and CBS Sports on Valentine's Day. So that's very exciting. Our very own Charlie Davies is going to fly over to the UK to be in studio. So make sure you cheer him on while he's doing that. He'll also be part of the Europa League coverage as well. And, of course, I want to remind everybody that not only does P Plus and CBS have that, they also have Serie A. And that league is absolutely popping off right now it looks like napoli who have a 13 point lead at the top are going to do it oh, but they're, they're known it home. for being bottlers i'm just saying they're kind of the tottenham they're kind of the tottenham of of italy so i know it's not like for like but there's some some resemblances there 
However, there's a lot of action going on for who's going to qualify in the top four. So you got Inter Milan in 43 points in second, Roma with 40, Lazio 39, Atalanta 38, AC Milan with 38. They are the reigning champions. They are struggling, lost three straight. Lots of action happening in Serie A. Make sure that if you want to see this very exciting month, then head over to Paramount Plus and try one month free with the promo code Serie A, S-E-R-I-E-A, and go enjoy it on our behalf. And, hey, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, real quick, ahead, real, real quick on that, that, and, and for those of you listening to it in audio, just go, you'll find it across all, all, uh, Paramount plus world soon that, that little clip, but we, at, at, at four soccer ventures, we, we, we get a, a cut of that before anything goes live in terms of like, Hey, are they all active players? We give it one last pass for these things. And when I had, when I first heard that Mariah Carey playing, I thought there was a song playing in the, in, on my computer and i was like oh wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if that's what the if if that's what this this uh this little uh sting or this little ad was and then i replayed it again i was like this is a mariah carey song over champions league being you know coming back which is which is an amazing thing and i was like yep no no it's there this is brilliant okay so we got a question from rafa who says what's your favorite mariah song and charlie easy peasy what is it heartbreaker you got the best of me and you got jay-z with the feature come on that's the one Okay, mine, mine is, uh, this is a banger, no matter any time of year, to be honest. I'm going to say all I want for Christmas is you. I think that is just above and beyond. I know okay. it's very specialized with holidays, but it I love specialized. it. Anytime. You're not yeah. you're not listening to that in the summer, I'll tell you that right now. You're, you know, there's no I'm, way. Listen, I've got two daughters. We listen to all kinds of crazy crap <laughs> all, at all times, dude. Uh, Fantasy is a close number two for me, though. Fantasy is a good shout. Yeah. yeah, Always Be My Baby was a good one for me. That's always stuck with me uh, for a long time. <laughs> Because you're always being baby. All right. He's slow dancing. Oh, dude, right. I mean, what, 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 you know. Like, All right, back to the questions. This one is from Dan, Dan Hirsch. What's up, Dan? He says, okay, the sporting director, GM, and coach of the U.S. Men's National Team is wide open. Which one of us three is going to take each position? Trash can, mm. Hollywood, or Chuck D? Who takes that job and why? Who gets what? Well, Jimmy, Jimmy, I mean, first you have to hire me as the sporting director. You know, so I can hire 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 uh, Charlie to be I the think, GM. You know, Charlie's sense. Charlie's Charlie's got a great, he great does. like relationships. He's got a great story. Yeah, very relatable. You know, can 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 take yeah, it from I'm from, happy from all sides, role. from the players and and whatever. Plus, we know and, Charlie's and got seventeen like other business stuff. Bang, he already dropped for soccer jobs here. Yeah, and yeah. And, and then I got to hire hire to fire Jimmy Conrad. You know, <laughs> like I've got to put him in the position. Listen, uh, let him know that I am I am. How long like, how long's he got? To prove himself. Listen, Jimmy mind. made the rule. He made the rules. He's on one cycle. I got one he cycle, babe. I'm totally cool. What if he bombs that Gold Cup and bombs that Copa America? You still give him the hey, whole this, cycle? This is the hard thing. Trust the process, Chuck. Trust the process. I'm getting okay. valuable this, experience for the guys. Yeah. yeah. It would be okay if I asked for more press conferences. I want to do additional press conferences. That's okay. I just want to. I think it's pretty much kind of sets itself up in some ways. Yeah, I'm happy, uh, I'm happy with the GM role. Though. I, yeah, I'm happy yeah. with the coach role. I think it'd be yeah. a lot of fun. So here, here we I, go. Done. I no did, problem. Actually, there. I'm starting to second second guess what? Charlie as our, as our, oh, as our GM. Okay, just, okay. You know, he's not. He's not always he available. He's just a very busy guy. He's. I don't know if he's available. Well, that's I think how Brian McBride was like, doing the job, yeah. so he'd be fine. I, I think. I think Charlie would like the job, but like, are we doing what's best for you as soccer? Is what I have to ask myself. <laughs> I, I think. Chuck, like, listen, he, he, I think Chuck would be angling for your job. So I would. Yeah, be the most and that's also him. true. Like Charlie <laughs> yeah. would step into GM like, and then start to like carve, look, carve. He's looking for I, upwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I he mean, wants to be the U14 coach. He'd be the U12. All right. Another question here. Uh, if you weren't professional footballers, what would your careers have been? That's from the Ooh. Miso. The Miso. What's up, dude? Let's go first. Dang. Uh, if, if one of you guys have an answer, go ahead. I, 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 I would. I, I went to school to be a math teacher mm -hmm. and to just coach. That's what I. That's what I probably would have done. I definitely could see you being a math teacher. Nerd. High school coach, math teacher. Yeah, totally. That's it. Hit <laughs> him with that one more time, Heath. Hey, a nerd. Uh, <laughs> totally content with that too. By yeah, the way. actually, pretty rad. Summers off. Um, yeah. yeah, great. But schedule. but if you were a high school coach, maybe you got some admin duties. Those those could end up being some pretty long days. Uh, yeah, you get you get a lot fight. of uh, parents like the Reynas that are trying yeah. to like really make it <laughs> yeah. for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it would be great if you were if you had Gio Reyna in your class at <laughs> oh Jimmy's high school. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> and you had to tell him, hey, man, you're going to be great someday, but you got to <laughs> do better on your math tests, uh, you know. Um, so I'm gonna um, drop you. I'm gonna drop you. From I'm the gonna team have today. to drop you from yeah. the team. Or you know what? We're gonna have a class vote to see if we're gonna have you stay in the class or not. Charlie, what what's what's yours? I, I'm in the entertainment business, so I'm gonna go with probably a WWE WWE wrestler. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like you're not. You got to be big, dude. You're like the Thunder, no, no, not at like, all. One, I can to be one. Thunder thigh yeah, Chuck, dude. That's his. I think I would have. I think I would have. I tried to be an Olympic wrestler. And then okay, from, I, I appreciate that. I respect and then that. from there, there's not many paths. It's MMA or WWE. MMA, I just feel like you're just asking for broken bones and concussions and cauliflower ear. So I'm going to take <laughs> WWE, the, the just WWE bones and concussions, but and no with, cauliflower ear. And make a lot more money. And, Charlie the Rock and have the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Carry that yeah. belt with me all the time. Booker T. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, it would be great to have Charlie just in, in the, uh, in the pro wrestlers onesie though, as his actual, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess on, I guess, um, Andre the Giant wore his wrestling onesie too when he was when he was in WWF. So. I would, I, would um, I think I'm cut from the Bret Michaels, uh, okay. Bret, yeah, Hart, yeah, yeah. Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart cloth. Yeah, He's got the the big okay. shades. Hey, on that then, Jimmy, uh, Charlie, for you, what what uh, what was the thing? The stream obviously lives deep inside of you. So, like, what what was the thing? <laughs> what wrestler did you used to repeat their line or or whatever the growing rock. up? The, the rock. rock for sure. Do you smoke? Uh, <laughs> and Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart. And those, those, you know, the figure four. I used to have the the finishing moves. Did them, did them all the time. Like on my brother, my little brother, <laughs> who I haven't seen actually in the chat. JB Davies. Yeah, dude, he's uh, slacking. He's slacking. Oh yeah, but brother. typically uh, that that was the go to. I, I loved wrestling. I loved it. I went to WrestleMania ten. That's a fun fact. That was pretty Did bad. You? The Ultimate That's Warrior sick. came back from nowhere. Uh, oh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper, like they had like this whole OJ Simpson type thing, and Roddy Piper showed up. It was the most insane storyline. But I was in 100 percent to the to that. I got to see Mean Gene Oakland do his thing, his little hits from around the stadium, and the, the way they shot it was really interesting. Because uh, it wasn't as many people as you thought they did, but but you know when you watch it on TV, you think the whole thing's full, and it's only like twelve yeah. compact into this one little shot. <clears throat> did, and they're just did masters, you guys have... masters of entertainment. Yeah, I mean that's that is that is the true thing when you see the difficulties of it. As we started to see reality TV, and you just see how one physical, but two, just how difficult that is. Um, or if you go down to like Mexico and you watch like, you know, the Lucha, the Lucha Libre <laughs> down there, it's 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 you know there is extreme levels, and then you realize as an industry. You think it's just like, oh, yeah, these 10, 10 or 20 male and females. And you're like, no, there's hundreds of thousands trying to make it to the top, like yeah, yeah. top, top tier. There's actually that um, um, uh, David Arquette uh, documentary. Have you seen about the the wrestling where he wants to go back and become a wrestler um, because he was handed he was handed a belt uh, fictitiously, but in a real in a real match. And then fans have hated him for like 20 years because uh, usually you're supposed to be the heel and the heel never wins, especially when you're a celebrity and he won. And then he's been hated or outcasted by the, by the, <laughs> the wrestling community for 20 years. And so he goes back to actually become a wrestler and learn how to wrestle and all these things. So he ends up in all these backyards. Go watch it. I don't remember the name of it, but oh, wow. for me, man, I'm trying to think of, uh, I could see what, you being a barista, like a really good manager of a Starbucks. He yeah. <laughs> like, like, like literally top hipster like yeah. number one hipster yeah. in the country yeah yeah that's true <laughs> like that's starbucks true. trusted you to pick all the music for their whole yeah. nation just he, he lives in portland and yeah. <laughs> wearing a fedora uh you guys see me wearing a fedora hat you know and just constantly <laughs> that's saying night, that's a nighttime outfit for you good afternoon my lady uh <laughs> caught on tmz in west hollywood yeah. at Heath, Heath pierce's Hipster lounge. Honestly, I, I would say the the other route that I was going when I decided to go uh, um, to soccer was I was for the class of 2002. I was a top recruit uh, kicker in the nation, um, and I've got a picture of like my my college football re recruits and 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 soccer. And there's a vast difference, but where it's would obviously you have gone. Yeah, where'd you go? 
Um, so I had a lot of it was was kind of East Coast and West Coast, everywhere from like Florida, Florida State to your UCLA, USC, okay, where uh, would you have all gone? the Arizonas. I, I honestly, are you a two star recruit, five star? What a no, five star. As a kicker, I was number one. I was number number one recruit. Here uh, we go. God, I thought yeah. Charlie's the kicker only, in the yeah. country. Flexing. Yeah, flexing. I'm a kicker in the country. Uh, and you ver- verifiable. Run? No, I mean it was it was one of those things that in high school you, you don't like. The only reason I was I was that is because I was going to these college combines where they basically make you hit from the forty and the fifty in the middle, the hashes, no no like warm ups, and they go fifteen. You get five of each, five of each, and that's how they start to. And then you go through all like the bench press, the ju- vertical jump, and all those things that they measure you on. Um, and that was all you could do because in high school, like you know. You could, I could kick off into the end zone and then you'd never get to kick a ball ever, you know? So I was playing football and and soccer. And then I had the residency program where I had to give, give all that up. And so it was only me, me, me and Eddie Johnson would just go into the, into the like big indoor place at, at IMG and, and, and practice football together. That was it. (laughs) We're the only two. That's unbelievable. (laughs) What a story. I love that. There's a lot to get into. I wish we had more time here on the mailbag episode. We're going to get to a couple more questions and then send everybody on their way. And uh, hopefully you have a great weekend. A lot of big games coming up to watch as well. Here's a good one from Blair. Chuck, I'll come to you. Would you rather win Copa America Mm -hmm. in 2024 or make the semifinals at the 2026 World Cup? Semifinals. That's the easiest thing. Come on now, Jimmy. Come on now. Come on. Give me that semifinal. Yeah. Come on, Curtis. I mean, winning the Copa America would be quite the achievement if Brazil would, but, but nobody uh, in the U.S. Would, I get it. I nobody get it. in the U.S. would really recognize. Okay. To be fair, yeah, people fair. still that's talk fair. about our 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 um oh, Confed Cup final oh, yeah. uh, loss. Like people like, but you know what the funny thing is? It's mostly foreigners when I say uh, when I talk to them and like, yeah, Confederations Cup 09. They're like, oh yeah, that was when you beat Spain because Spain was on that run and obviously the the Euros and end up win- winning the World Cup and it fits in between. So people Cup. remember that. But I think I think the Copa America, not to underplay the uh, the, the U.S. fan because we have so many that do get it, but from an actual impact standpoint, a semi um, in a World Cup would have I think I think be more impactful. Wait, so I guess that wasn't really the question. But. Is it get to a semi and lose or just get to a semi? And, and you could get to a semi and I assume lose. I'm going to, I'm just going to assume. Well, that. So, then right, the question well, would be, get to, and the question would be get to a final, Charlie. What do you, I mean, yeah, you went, you win, you win the 2024 Copa America here in the States, yeah. yep. which I agree with you. Wouldn't have the same weight as the world cup, which is going to have. I think it would be more special if you won the Copa America in South America. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Cause that would be a wake up call to everybody down there that the U S can't mess with them anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'd just be like, huh? Okay. Chile won it twice. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, but no. You're, you're, you're I was all, in Chile you're, for that, and they did you're care. Always well, taking yeah. the, World Cup. the biggest World Cup in history, you're getting to the semifinals. You're taking that all day. Yeah, all day. day over a Copa America. There's no, 116, Jimmy. To get to a semifinal? That, if we got to a Copa America final and won it, soccer fans, yeah, they'd be like, woo, but, and then it would die quick. Gone. You get to a semifinals in a World Cup in yeah. our country, the biggest one ever. Right. Oh, you're turning heads all over the world. Everyone, everyone, give it to me. Ooh, that yeah, me no, I, I agree with you on the semifinals. Mm-hmm. We saw it in Qatar. We got out of the group stage, and you just knew that that gave us three or four, five more days before that round of 16 game against the Dutch that we got to talk about the team, be excited about the team, get more people on board to jump on the bandwagon or whatever it is and be like, let's be a part of this. Had they won? And beat the Dutch. I mean, it just gives us four or five more valuable days for everybody just to really feel what that's like. And I think that's a little bit of the taste of what Wrexham is providing to, for some people that they just get to kind of jump on this bandwagon and be a part of it and un- try to, as they try to understand it. And I just think that those guys are doing a good job just to tie that back in. Also, Chip is watching the show right now. Chip and Chip said, "You cannot kill David Arquette." Is the title of the documentary that he yes, was referencing. Yes. So shout out to Chip for uh, okay. the real-time research for us. I wonder what belt it was. If it was like the intercontinental belt, like it was a lower belt. I, it, it, was, it was when he first got to – like it's worth watching. It's pretty intense and kind of sad. But like it's it, like he gets to Hollywood, gets a big deal, gets on, on to wrestling, ends up, ends up winning. And, it, and apparently that's like when the celebrities come on, they're supposed to ultimately lose no matter how far they go. Mike Tyson, he, I remember he got and, on there. And, 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 and he wins. And then the whole community's like, this is a disrespect to whatever. And he was like, he didn't have anything to do with it. And now he's gone back to like do it to get it right. So he's like, you know, landing on glass and like backyard brawls and oh. like uh, in the South. And like, sounds like you know, the wrestler. It's, 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 it's pretty Rourke. cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. So- but it's and kind Mickey of it's Rourke. also intense, but like and sad, but it's good. You go watch it. Okay. 
Let's make. Uh, I get a dollar for every time. Any more questions? It, so yeah. Wait. Did did Chip say anything about me? By the way, if he's listening. Uh, come on, Chip. Chip, Chip says he won the WCW title. Chuck, that's <laughs> that's what he won. And, and I will connect you both. So All you're right. good. You're good. You're good on that. Okay. So two more questions. This one is, Serginio Dest. What do you think is mm. his next ideal move? And and before mm-hmm. I throw it to either one of you. It's interesting for me that he went to AC Milan, who have a wing back in Teo Hernandez, who just bombs forward with reckless abandon. And maybe they thought he could be someone that could do it on the other side and be an equal threat to that. I think that probably throws off the balance of the team, but whatever. He didn't really work for whatever reason under Stefano Pioli and at Milan. So they're going to let him go. At Barcelona, another team known for having attacking wing backs, wanting their outside backs to join in the attack Danny Alves, Jordi Alba. Two great recent examples uh, during their their peaks of their success. Didn't I thought he did okay when he was there, but didn't really seem mm-hmm. to fit into Xavi's plans. I don't know if he should go back to Ajax. I know we talked about this a little bit, but I feel like he's got to find a situation where he's the guy. Like the, he, I don't want him to compete with another attacking outside back on the other on the other side of the field. Like he's got to be the one that really generates that width. I, I we threw out Marseille. Chuck Booth, one of our writers for CBS Sports, wrote an article saying that Marseille would be a good fit under manager Igor Tudor, which I agree. I don't know if he wants to go there. I don't know. What do you guys think, Chuck? I'll start with you. Sergio Des's ideal move. So I I think he needs to take a step back from from the the big 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 clubs. Um, Ajax right now is is third in the Eredivisie. I mean they're three points out, so things can turn, but the club is going in the wrong direction. I, if, if I'm him, if I'm in his shoes, I don't want to go back to the, to the league that I was, was started. Yeah. Where I, where I started, I want to keep moving forward. And I think going back to Ajax would feel like a big step back. Cause it, it really feel like a failure, but he also went from Ajax to Barca. That's a massive jump mm. and things can, can, can change quickly when it comes to a, a new manager. So he goes to Milan, doesn't work. He's going to go back to Barca, and now you got to look for your next club, your next step. If I'm him, I'm looking at clubs who will play in the Champions League, but not clubs who who are are going to be you know set with that right back spot. So, a Dortmund, a Union Berlin are in the Bundesliga would be two good good spots. Even an RB Leipzig. Um, you look in Syria, if. Lazio, Roma, Atalanta, maybe because Milan is on the way down. So I would find it probably hard to go to Syria if you if it didn't work out in Milan. You know, the respect across the league is probably like, oh, he's not ready yet. And and that's kind of probably what's been talked about. So I think the Bundesliga would be a good spot for him. And, mm-hmm. and in particular, RB Leipzig or Dortmund, um, even at Union Berlin because they're playing so well. But Dortmund and Leipzig, just because of their track record, would probably be a good good step for him. Okay, I, Heath. So I just yeah. want to say, just stats-wise, he started twice this season in Serie A for Milan. Uh, eight overall appearances to so come off the bench six times. 328 minutes, no goals, no assists. Not really helping or contributing in that side of the ball. We've seen him make a couple mistakes defensively. He's not really, you know, obviously winning people over. Then mm-hmm. when I look at Ajax, even if he went back there, they have a 20-year-old playing his spot, Devin Wrench, who's excellent. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if he would have room for him or why you'd go back either even though Serginio is only 22 you already have another and Ajax is amazing at this uh, whatever they lose they just got that that youth academy that's just going to fill those voids pretty quick Monaco is another good spot if you're good uh, Monaco, would be a good shot. Monaco yeah. they, they play their youth um if, if they were to sign him then you know he's only 22 we talk about him a lot but it's, yeah get him get him some minutes and and the French league is a very difficult league because the outside backs get a lot of one v one. That that league is up and down, and a lot of um, athletically gifted players in, in the French league. So, I, I feel like that would be a good step for him as well. Okay. Keith? Yeah, I mean, I I, I like <laughs> I like your top three, four, and I mean, it's it's the kind of things that I was thinking about for for Conrad, right? Where I thought Marseille mm-hmm. was a great landing point. When I think about a Lyon, when I think about, um, I feel like because they're a mix of like one high pressure environments, two they're going to have the he needs to be in, in a club that has quality and that has the ball, right? He's not going to. I don't. I I do think he needs to be in an environment where he's got to defend, but obviously he's going to be his at his best when a team that has the ball and his starting points are higher up the field, high and wide, and he's able to be in more dangerous positions and show his 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 strengths through through that. So 
that's where where I see him. And then yeah, I like I like Leipzig. I like Dortmund. I even think he's good enough to be at at, at a Bayern in terms of their roster uh, and what he can offer to their style of play. But obviously, you know, there's there's uh, yeah, there's that plenty consistency. Of there well. <laughs> You're not yeah. gonna play with those minutes. Yeah. Um, All right, that was our last question, boys. Wait, there's one more. Under one more. 17 World Cup qualifying for the World Cup in Peru this year. Final thoughts. starts next week. Okay. Adrian Gill. Everyone's talking about him at Barca. Mm. I'm really interested to see what what he looks like for this for this young group, and if this is a, a player that's going to stand out um, and and allow the U.S. to to win uh, the championship, the Concacaf championship. Okay, yeah, he's uh, from Denver, Colorado, so we'll see if Adrian Gill can can run the show there. Heath, any final thoughts for you before we send everybody on their way? No, I love I love doing the mailbag, so hopefully we can continue to do them through these like uh, next months and stuff because they're fun. Yeah, they are a lot of fun. And that was fun. I enjoy doing that mm-hmm. with you guys. And I enjoy everybody that asks questions. That yes, keep them coming. Always. So keep those coming. Drop us a follow on the Twitter at ISWT Pod. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, and Jimmy Trash Can Cream Cheese, Conradino Conrad, also known as Jim. We will thank you so much for listening and watching to In Soccer We Trust. We'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Later. Original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.